Hello, everybody, and welcome to Speak Out, the Outright Podcast. I'm your host, JQ. You can use any pronouns for me. I'm Emma. I use they, she, he pronouns. And today we are talking about transgender history, and I am so happy about it because I'm a history major. Emma makes fun of me for being an econ major, but I'm actually also a history major, so shut up. Anyway, I can talk about the Chevalier Dayon because she's really fun. Yeah. Um, And French. And French! Yeah. Well, everyone in my friend group makes fun of the French. Um, That's because so it's funny. It, it is very funny. Um, but also, uh, I'm now going to talk about... A... Okay. Let's do <laughs> the starting caveat when we're talking about historical figures from like the oh. transgender perspective. Yes. Because identity and... Like... a particularly as it pertains to sexuality, but also, like, a transgender-specific identity is, at the very least, an early 20th century construction. Um, And so it's very difficult when we're talking about historical figures to actually be like, yeah, they were trans. Like, it can... It's very easy to slip into anachronism because people's understandings of gender... Don't anachronism is when something isn't. Of I know the right I've time heard period. the word before. It's when something isn't of the right time period. Okay, okay, yes, definitely, especially in this sense. It's just like what the post said about self determination. How can you even? Are you still something even if there isn't language for you to describe it? Which so. I hold you are because the pure wharf is the worst hypothesis in the world. It, yeah, no, there's no sh- Oh, there's sure, no you have to look up way. anachronism, but I can casually cite <laughs> hey, the Sapir Whorf Hey, I am a communications hypothesis. major, of course I know the Sapir Whorf fucking Okay, hypothesis. you're not a fucking linguistics major, I though. had to take Ling 1, Okay, I so... took it just for fun, and I already knew, like, half of it, I so it was I was fun. like, yeah. it was fun. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, that one's definitely, it's definitely wrong. There's definitely, like, <laughs> something in between, you know? Yeah. So, Anyways. um, fuck those guys. Fuck those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Um, not trans. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, the official designation of shame on the Speak Out podcast. <laughs> cis. <laughs> cis stamp. Yeah. No. Okay. Talk about your problematic fate. Okay, I'm going to talk about my problematic fate. Okay. Um, so the Chevalier Dayon was um, primarily a spy for King Louis the Fifteenth, who's not the one oh, who really sucks, go. but he's not like the greatest. Which King, one's the one that really sucks? Uh, Sixteen. It actually was okay. Louis the one that killed all his wives, or what? That's Henry the Eighth. Who are we talking about? (laughs) We're talking about Louis the Fifteenth of France. Oh, okay, cool. Which one's the one with the French Revolution? Louis the Sixteenth. Okay, cool. Okay, I'm like a little bit of a Louis the Sixteenth defender because he was bad at his job, but um, (laughs) compared to some other kings, he was not like extraordinarily bad. Okay. Yeah, he could have been more dickish, but. You know, could have been worse. <laughs> fuck the monarchy, so I think they were still in the right. To yeah, well, depose him for sure. Uh, but the Chevalier Dayon didn't have to deal with. Okay, didn't have to deal with any of that because I'm going to be using she/her pronouns for reasons that will become clear in a bit. She mostly served under Louis the Fifteenth, who is the guy who came right after the Sun King, and had to deal with uh, not being the Sun King. Damn, <laughs> L. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of an L. You get that a lot in history. Um, 
else or coming after no, people when who there's are like, than you? Yeah, when there's like one king and he like centralizes everything around him because he's really good oh. at the job and he can handle all this shit. And then the next guy comes along and he's like less good at it and everything kind of starts falling apart. Right. It's like a big thing in the Qing dynasty, dynasty too. Um, back to the main topic. <laughs> so she was basically spying on Russia for King Louis the Fifteenth and his own like little private spy ring that was sort of unrelated to the rest of the business of the government. Um, but this means that after she got done spying on Russia and came back to France, um, she kind of got caught in the middle of these two like warring court factions, basically, whose names I won't bother you with. Um, but as a part of this, the Chevalier Dayon, who at this time was obviously living as a man because, um, you know, you know, <laughs> it's the 18th century gang. It's the 18th century gang. Um, but as part of this, Chevalier Dale re released a bunch of, like, classified diplomatic correspondence, basically, nice. and got exiled. Pentagon Papers. Yeah, basically did the 18th century equivalent <laughs> of Pentagon Papers. Nice. Um, I fucking love to do the Pentagon Papers. But basically, while in exile, Chevalier Dale was sent a bunch of letters like, Can I please come back to France? Can I please <laughs> come back to France? I don't like not being in France. I'm very French. Um, oh, so French. And eventually a compromise was reached where the Chevalier Dale would, like, live and present as a woman for the rest of her life. Um, <laughs> in exchange for not being in exile anymore. <laughs> And then as part of this, she was like, um, and also I was definitely assigned female at birth and I've just been living as a man this whole time. Oh my god, Um, facts. secretly. <laughs> Which is, like, so crazy. Because she was absolutely, like, chilling during the entire back half of her life. Yeah. While living publicly as a woman. She girl boss and she boy boss. And she she girl boss both, and, and she gaslit her. and she gatecast. Yeah. <laughs> Oh I mean, it's got, she's got kind of the average 18th century kind of a terrible person problem. Well, but, you which know, is what? Being someone who had the social mores of the 18th century. Oh. Yeah. Not woke. Not woke. Believe it or not, they were not very woke in the 18th century. Yeah. Though. Especially, yeah, 18th century French people, not very woke. Not you very, well, it. occasionally you get a woke one or two. There's a woke one or two. Uh, were they intersectional woke, or were they, like, commies? <laughs> what the Because, like, fuck? sometimes there's, like, commies who are, like, you know, well, okay, my sister is very involved in, um, hey, Maddie, you're not listening to this. Uh, <laughs> there's no fucking way she listens to this. Um, but she's, like, very involved with, like, leftist organizations, and, like, a lot of the time, well, not a lot of the time, some of the times it'd be like, yeah, economic freedom, and then they'd be like, but what about racism? They'd be like, what about racism? Um, or just, like, the bitches who focused on, like, fucking theory and not praxis. Mm. Mm. No, we're definitely more <laughs> in the racism is bad camp here. Oh, you can she... get 18th, 18th century people who think racism is bad. Okay, super you cool. You cannot really get 18th century people who are down with communism. Boo! <laughs> that that's, comes like well, it, it's not a philosophy that really makes sense before the Ooh. industrial revolution. Oh, okay. I mean, the this French is Revolution fair. is. Yeah, they talk about it. Wait, that would be funny. Would they invent communism before, like the that would be funny. Okay, um, well, actually, the um, Marx wrote the Communist Manifesto in 1848, which is crazy okay. early. 
Um, especially because he was mostly writing about Eastern Europe, which was less industrialized than Western Europe. Like, the scenario he's describing where there's, like, an industrialized, disaffected proletariat basically did not exist he for another 20 or 30 years. But as a result, people are like, wow, he's so prescient and stupid, but also... <laughs> <laughs> this dude was just telling tales. Yeah. But hey, he wound up being very influential. Um, later... <laughs> Yeah. Later, yeah. Later. Go for him. He's dead now, but, you know. <laughs> you know, shout out. Uh, but it would be crazy if he wasn't. What if he wasn't, though? He was out writing books in 1840, Dude. and now it's 2023. But what I bet if Marx was still alive, he would be kind of problematic. Probably, yeah. But like how old people, like, accidentally wind up being problematic, you know? Yeah. Wait, anyways, in your notes about this, it says, also, by the way, I'm AFAB, don't fact check this. So you think trans, then, like, okay. was not assigned female at birth. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Just, like, just so we're clear, abs totally not assigned female okay, at birth. True. Okay, Chevalier Dayan was this. a professional liar. Yeah. That's what being an aspiring Good is. He was like, she, like, made up all these bullshit stories later. She was like, oh... And when I was going to Russia to evade the English, I had to dress as a handmaiden. Oh. <laughs> Look at the importance of dressing up as a woman and presenting as a woman. Definitely let me do this. I'm... Oh no, it would be so awful if I had to dress yeah. as a woman. Oh. That would be terrible. And then she has the little, like, you know in spy movies where they make the girl dress in, like, the sexy <laughs> outfit um, to, like, be a spy? And then everyone's like... Oh my god. god, you look so good without your cargo pants. I bet that was, I, was, I bet that's what she did. <laughs> I bet, I bet so too. Anyway, do you have something anyway. from your notes you want to talk about? Um, I think in comparing these two cases, it, I thought it was very interesting to notice things and to compare things. Which two cases? Uh, I don't yeah, know yeah, what you're talking I, I know. about. Okay. <laughs> With, um, like, like. To put them in conversation with each other sort of, like, made me think thoughts. Mm. Um, no way. Uh, so there's the two ones, I mean, I had three, um, I don't, I didn't research Native American Two-Spirit that much, but that's the one, that's the third gender role that gets cited a lot when people talk about it. Um, I guess in America, because we're in America. Yeah. yeah. Our um, homegrown what? third gender role. Yeah, homegrown. <laughs> um, and then home oppressed, um. Mm -hmm. um, so not as good. Um, there's um, Hidras in uh, India, and then there's uh, Muches in South America. Both of those are like third gender roles. Um, Hidras are oftentimes cited as the equivalent to transgender, but I really don't think that's entirely true in the sense that we think of trans, because it's still very much like another third thing. It's like, and then there's also like, cultural and religious lore that goes along with that gender identity. So I don't really think that, I think people simplify that so that someone who doesn't understand queer theory and non-binary genders will understand it. Well, um, and also there's definitely like a gender role type thing there. Oh, where very if you're much a teacher, so, yeah. you have a set position. Oh my god, I'm so sorry for the background noise. Can they someone hear it? I can hear it, so I think they can oh, hear it. Okay. Um, <laughs> They're doing where, stuff over there in a different room. If you're a Hydra, you have 
sort of a set like role Mm -hmm. in society whereas if in like the u.s or a culture without a third gender role if you step outside like the binary gender system you don't have that kind of cultural sort of pressure or Mm -hmm. milieu yeah. To define, like, the shape of gender that you're supposed to occupy. Like, Rainer's always saying, like, the, you don't have a slate of gender actions to perform repetitively. Whereas you do yeah. if you're a third gender role. If you're, if you're non-binary, <laughs> the U.S. doesn't have, like, a great oh! cultural way for you to act non-binary. Gotcha! Um, I mean, there are some, like, presentation-type things, which mm-hmm. wind up being, you know, just as terrible as the rest of... Yeah, which wind up American being, gender yeah. performance assumptions. Making um, it a third gender when it's just not. Um, yeah. Very, yes. That, very true. Um, it's also like a double-edged sword. Because then I saw something recently that, or not recently, a little while ago actually, that was like, how do you present as something that people won't even recognize? Yeah. Um, and that's where like the whole like gender confusion that a lot of non-binary, not a lot, but you know, some non-binary people uh, take pride in comes from because it's like that's the only other option sometimes anyways um back to hydras um yeah but for those of us who might not know what that is um just uh like third gender role a lot of the times uh well i mean we can talk about the lore first of all um there's oh no where did it i love how you're saying we when everything i know about hydras is they're like a generally people who are assigned male at birth but present in a more like stereotypically feminine way yeah. while occupying a position not identical to that of female gender roles mm-hmm. in Indian society. That is yeah, that's pretty much facts. Um a lot of the times it's I'm no, I'm not gonna compare it to drag, but the 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 role that they're performing is very much a performance, not in the sense that we think of gender as a performance from, like, a gender theory and queer theory way, but, like, a performance literally performing on the street, like, doing, like, like, dancing and performing and, uh, for money and stuff, and also a higher tendency towards being engaged in sex work, um, tend to live in all Hydra communities led by gurus and, unfortunately, was compared to the way that, like, like, pimps and prostitutes, uh, gurus and Hydras, um, so it's kind of like a complicated position, and also in in the sense of Hedras and Muches, there's um, a modern, there's like recent movements to like, recent movements to like, I want to see just like get them like rights, like, like break like stigmas and generally have them be thought of like people and not like these sources of mysticism, um, especially for Hedras. Um, also, for Mouchet's, like, well, let me finish talking about Hedras. Um, the cultural and, like, religious lore of Hedras was basically that, here we go. Oh, one of the gods of Hinduism, uh, Lord Rama, who is an avatar. Avatar is, like, a co- an incarnation of another god, Vishnu. Um, said when he was, like, kicked out of some place, men and women wipe your tears and, like, go away. But a group of people remained because they were neither men nor women, so that places them, like, Hedras as a gender role in, like, this kind of, like, mystical... Hanging out with Vishnu. Hanging out, yeah, exactly. Um, 
And so then it's also believed that, like, they can give you, like, good or bad luck or something like that. So it's just, I don't know, it's very much also engaged in cultural ideals in a non-secular way. Uh, Muches are also like that. Um, it's a third gender role in, oh my god. <clears throat> and Oaxaca. Oaxaca. Um, uh, and Zapotec culture. Uh, these are more similar to, like, Two-Spirit. There's one person who was a Muche, uh, said that, like, literally used the phrase, like, Two-Spirit, so it's more, like, both feminine and masculine traits, but... Which, I mean, makes some sense. Given, How do you mean? I mean, like, given geographic proximity. Oh, yeah, well. <laughs> indeed. Um, their interesting thing about Muche is that they're actually assigned at birth, um, as Muche, but then tend to present femininely. So I didn't actually look up if that means that, like, in the sense that we think about sex, that means that they're, like, intersex, or if there's something... I didn't look up, look up the assigned at birth part, but... Um, also fun cultural and religious lore about that one is that uh, it's thought that the patron saint of um, Huchitan um, was carrying, like, three bags of seeds that were meant to be distributed around the world. There was one female, there was one male, and then Muches came out of the second one when it, like, broke open. Um, <clears throat> good for them. Good for them. Yeah. Escape that bag, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Less about um, religious lore and the kind of mysticism of Tigras. Um, they tend to just kind of they're, they're more similar, in a sense, to our conception of trans people in that they aren't in this set, like, role. <clears throat> yeah, those are the two. And I think it's interesting how looking at these two in comparison with each other and then the way that we think about transness, like, in the United States and probably in, like, broader Western society as a whole, um, where like you said, like, the idea of a transgender identity is still something that's being shaped and kind of, like, in terms of the terminology and the way that the stuff that we know and the ways that we think about it is, like, a modern idea. Um, <clears throat> is that accurate? Yeah. Okay. I mean, yes, but also with the caveat that um, gender roles, all of them, are changeable, mm -hmm. and the development of somewhat of a non-binary, like, gender presentation role is not really associated in the U.S., at least, with a social role, especially because I think there's sort of a concerted effort among the progress the kind of progressive people who would be familiar with, like, non-binariness to sort of deconstruct cultural, like, yeah, true. social roles mm -hmm. related to gender. Attached to gender. I don't know it's like maybe this is talking about our broader culture but it's like our uh, perceptions of transness are obviously very like for the most part like secular like people assign i've seen people you know assign religious meaning to it in the sense that like trans people are like god giving us wheat and not bread or you know grapes oh, yeah. but not wine and stuff but that's like you know <laughs> like people it's not like built into the lore of being trans here, whereas, like, it's very... <clears throat> well, I, th more. 
I think part of that is a lot of, like, deities are either transgender or can be interpreted as transgender. I know there are West African deities that are, um, like, we would probably call them transgender women, although, of course, it's complicated. And, like, the example I'm more familiar with is the, uh, I'm going to say some really long words here, the uh, Avalokitesvara Bodhisattva. Um, How do you even keep that in your brain? Because I had... Like, I see one thing, I see one <laughs> word that's, like, more than five no, syllables, and I two, just, like, my eyes words. glaze over it's it. It's the Avalokitesvara Bodhisattva. That's still too many. Which is also, um, okay, which, who's a Chinese... Saying everything wrong. Um, who's an Indian Bodhisattva. A Bodhisattva is someone who, in Buddhism, attains enlightenment, but, like, oh. doesn't ascend to nirvana they like hang out back here to help other people achieve nirvana and so the avalokitesvara bodhisattva in indian buddhism is male but in chinese buddhism is known as the guanyin bodhisattva and is female and is also very important and so there are some interpretations that this bodhisattva is like transgender and sort of like a cultural in a transcultural sense oh wait that's so fun yeah i like that um Guanyin Bodhisattva, very important. Kind of like a general, uh, please help us out Bodhisattva. Yeah, true. I think that's but cool. I think that kind of association, like, <laughs> of deities with being transgender, and also deities, of course, are, like, very culturally important, mm-hmm. um, makes it very easy to associate, like, religiosity and being transgender. Yeah. And also, um... Oh, cancelable moment time. Oh. <laughs> Perfect! <laughs> I just feel like in a lot of um, religi- like religious societies, uh, being a weirdo is a great way to become really invested in religion. Like, Elaborate. Uh, you know, like, the popular theory that a lot of people who saw, like, visions in, like, medieval Europe were just, like, having epileptic seizures. Um, um that sounds like... <laughs> there's, like, a lot... Because there's a lot of imagery about, like, single bright lights that are, like, oh, maybe you're having just... a migraine aura. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. Or it's, like, if you're looking for an explanation for this weirdness, and religion is your go-to explanation for, like, the machinations of the universe, mm-hmm. um... Then being like, and the reason I'm transgender is also God. Mm. Um, it's very easy. Okay, facts. Yeah. I wanted to talk about real trans people. I'm going to talk about okay. Ramana Prophetess now. That sounds awesome. Um, <laughs> it's going to require me providing you a fuck ton of historical background. Okay, cool. Um, Which one is this in the notes? Ramana Prophetess. The one that How says... Do you spell that? Fuck you. It starts with an <laughs> Were R. Were you gonna say the one that says Ramana Prophetess? <laughs> yes. Because I'll kill you. <laughs> Not if I kill you first. Okay. Okay. Good, good luck. So Romanla Prophetess was okay. <laughs> okay. We're not the... thinking about La... we're not thinking about Les Miserables anymore. I'm still not... thinking about Haitian, Lord Lando Bloom. Haitian, not French. Romanla Prophetess. Okay. Cool. Name is French sounding because of all the horrible atrocities. Because of the colonialism and yeah. slavery. Um. So Romanla Prophetess was a black plantation owner who led a slave uprising. Um, black plantation owners were actually pretty common uh, on Haiti in the late 1700s. Um, 
Okay, well, at the time it was called San Domingue, so I keep wanting to call it that. Santo Domingo, if you're Spanish. Oh, okay. Um, what once comes like the Dominican Republic? Domingo, Dominican. Wait, what's the what's like the? Wait, repeat that whole sentence over again. <laughs> oh, sorry, I talk once, like a once... freak. Um, <laughs> hey, that's the print. <laughs> yeah, uh... I said once comes, once like W H E N C. Yeah, what does that mean? Um, from which comes? Oh, okay, cool. Yes, got it. Um, so. Are you familiar at all with the Haitian Revolution as something that happened? I know that it happened, yeah. Okay, great. Um, I know that it was, like, cool, right? Yeah. Like, we like that it happened. We now like that it happened. Well, sure. I'm uh, at the sure time, that... the U.S. was not a big fan. Well, fucking yeah, of course they weren't. The U.S. isn't a big fan of a lot of things that yeah. probably end up being good later. Um. So, Romain La Profetesse was a black plantation owner, but... Once shit started really going down, um, particularly with regards to, like, the Code Noir, which was a really repressive, like, black code that restricted the rights of black people regardless of whether they were slaves or free. Um, slavery bad, by the way. Um, no way. <laughs> yeah. Speak so out hot takes of this, today. That resulted in basically a bunch of, like, separate mass slave uprisings. Uh, all around what is now modern Haiti. Um, and one of these was led by Romain Lefortetesse. But it's... The bit that I'm actually going to talk about is... Pronouns are really hard for this one. I'm gonna go with they. They presented themselves as sort of a very... Like a feminine religious icon, despite being like publicly a well... Like a pretty well-known man in the community. Um, and they strongly associated themselves with the Virgin Mary because Haiti at the time there was fairly religious, but um, very religiously syncretic, which is when you take parts of lots of different religions uh, and sort of combine them all into mm -hmm. one like cohesive thing. And so she, they, she, <laughs> like you can just use all yeah. of them. You know, all of they them. are dead. Yeah, they, and they did not speak English. Shit, yeah. <laughs> Wait, um, what language did they speak? Um, French, probably. It's true. And French has got gender everywhere, so... French has, it's really, I'll talk about being non-binary in French when we're not on the podcast, probably, because it's also really complicated. Also being non-binary in Spanish. Yeah. Um, but there's a movement for that. There Different is. pronouns, which I think is dope. Um, that's how the way Romain La Profetesse presented themselves had, like, a very strong religious overtone, particularly as related to, like, like those transgender West African mm -hmm. deities that I mentioned earlier. Um, they referred to themselves as, like, the godchild of the Virgin Mary. Oh, shit. Um, who, so, like, Jesus Part 2? Or, like, different? Like, symbolic. Oh, godchild, like, like, godfather, godchild, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Um... And so they definitely did not present in, like, a gender-normative way and describe themselves using feminine terms. Like, even the name, Romaine La Prophetesse, not uh, Le Prophète, which would be the masculine form. And so, definitely there's some sort of, like, gender non-normativity going on there. But it's also, I don't think we have any surprising... There's, um, no, there's not really pictures. There's attributed. this dope fucking picture. Um... But, like, like I said, this... 
This was like, not even like a big plantation owner. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Well. Like they probably owned slaves, but it was Max like a few. A, a lot of um, black free, like freeholders did own slaves actually to Saint Louverture, who you might be familiar with. Um, or not. Or not. <laughs> but there wasn't like. I feel like in the U.S. because it was so specifically, like, white people owning black people. But in Haiti, it was also black people owning black people, which, you know, also wasn't great. Also not good, believe um, it or not. Believe it or not. <laughs> but it was more of a complicated, like, hierarchy. Mm. Um, like, um, well, actually, it wasn't super complicated. Oh, God, what was it called? It was the system in, like... America. Oh, the encomienda system? Yeah, that one. So you're like, a, okay, actually that was not evidence that you can remember long words. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> actually, it was kind of evidence of the con directly yeah. to the contrary. I know um, the concepts. They're in there. Oh, and also that religious component to Romain la Prophetess was, like, really mm -hmm. integral to their, like, maintaining and, like, leading this uprising of slaves because it had, like, a strong religious component, like, they can't do this shit to us type thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm allowed to tell you that because the Virgin Mary loves me best. Oh my god, true. Um, Virgin Mary's favorite favorite boy. Yes. Her special, favorite... special little prophet. Spe yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. And so I just think that's like, I think they're a really interesting historical figure. Uh, not only for being cool as shit, um, but also for like, would... <laughs> Romain la Prophetess, like, would it even be appropriate to call them transgender? Or, like, genderqueer? Or, like, I don't know. It's just an example of a historical figure where I think it's really necessary to sit with that ambiguity because it they're really not interpretable outside of it. I think that's a good way of putting it. Like, just about context. And also, like, I feel like especially distinguishing and also recognizing how expression and identity like intertwine yeah. and how they're separate and like you can't untangle them um at the same time yeah yeah especially because um and honestly i'm less familiar with this strain of thought in non-western contexts but um for a really long time the model of sexuality or like gender wasn't identity based as we would think about it, but behavior based. Mm. Like this is where you get and to bring this up two centuries, like all that stuff about people being like, Oh, why were bisexual women in lesbian bars or whatever? First of all, dumbass argument. <laughs> Sorry. Coldest fucking take in the <laughs> yeah. room. No, I have no, seen some take rancid ass takes. Yeah, I don't know. But it was like because sexuality was seen as behavior-based, it was very common to, like, go to a lesbian bar, engage in sexual activity with another woman as a uh, lesbian, and right. then go back to being, like... Straight? Yeah, like, yeah. behaving straight. Yeah. And so there wasn't... It wasn't seen as, like, a conflict. It was, like, sometimes you behave as a lesbian, and sometimes mm -hmm. you behave as someone straight. That's cool. That's very queer theory of them. Yeah, it's extremely queer theory of them. That's Kinda dope. <laughs> TBH? TBH. Wow. 
Okay. Do you have more things in your notes? Because I feel like I've monologued about Haiti for long enough. Mm, not really. Okay. We can then. talk about Kurt Cobain. No, I don't <laughs> well, know. Well, I could bring Cobain. up. I could bring up. Um, Gerard Way. <laughs> I could bring up Gerard Way. <laughs> Shit, because uh, being like fucking not a girl now. Um, you should have raised a baby girl. I should have been a better son. That fucking slaps. Mama by My Chemical Romance. Holy shit. Um, Honestly, I never saw that line as very transgender. I didn't either um, until someone pointed it out and I was like, ooh, I don't uh, well, know if this is transgender, but it sure fucking hits if it does. Yeah. Oh, well, I feel like just in the context of the song, it's... I'm, and I'm not saying Gerard Way is cis. I'm extremely <laughs> not saying that. I just think that given that it's a song about war, it really feels like you should have raised oh, a baby girl and I should never... I'm good. <laughs> Uh, listen, I'm not, listen, listen, I'm not, I'm not a lyrics listener, I'm a music, like, melody listener, okay. I listen to the sounds and it's awesome, and then I look up the lyrics, and I look up, like, the genius interpretation of the lyrics, and I, even that doesn't make sense to me, okay. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking you about, all, bro? Genius has a lot of idiots. Yeah, no, It's an ironically time, named website. Yeah, most of the time it's not very good, but... I try to think about the words that they're actually saying, and it leaves my- nothing happens Okay, but Mama by My Chemical Romance is about war, and so Girl. I always interpret it like you should have raised a baby girl as, like, I- then I would not have to be in war. Oh, okay. <laughs> I see. Yes. Girl not drafted. Girl not drafted! <laughs> Ayo! Ayo! <laughs> oh New band name just dropped. Girl not drafted? Girl not drafted. Yeah. Um, but draft. I still think Gerard Way pretty not not cis. Um, yeah, yeah, based. I think a lot of. I think a lot of that zeitgeist of um, non-gender normative emo culture. Um yeah. And, oh, let's say and the punk. early to late two thousands. When was my couple of romance formed? Late two thousand one. Yeah, it was that. late two thousand one because Gerard Way saw nine eleven. He was like, I need to form a band. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't make it. Happen. No, sorry, I forgot because I just remembered that meme about the dominoes where it was like nine eleven caused Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, directly, actually. But it also caused my kind of romance. Exactly. So... <laughs> yeah, two thousand one. You're exactly right. What? <laughs> yeah, good job. <laughs> I didn't read these. Gerard Way quotes. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Way began openly discussing his gender identity struggles online and this squishmallow was attacking me. Good. No, what the fuck? Ask me anything. Let me come up with other nonsense stuff, Gerard, that I feel like... Yeah, I mean, Gerard Way himself has been like, yeah, I relate very much to femininity and also feel like I embody it in some ways. Thoughts. And also use he, they pronouns. Um, so there's pretty concrete evidence, I'd say. <laughs> well, yeah, I'd <laughs> Gerard say. Gerard not cis. I'd sure but say. I'm always like, in my personal opinion, that Gerard Way is not cis. As, is... A, as, as a treat to me, Gerard Way is not cis. Yes. <laughs> well, good for them. It's because he was very um, fruity in, like, yeah. 2004. What happened in 2004? Oh, that with the, like, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge tour. Where okay. he had, like, all the eyeliner and, like, the longish hair. Oh, okay, and yeah. he's, like, kissing Frank Iero a lot. Oh, shit! <laughs> this is... You know what? Frank Iero and Gerard Way walked so that Boy Genius could 
because goddamn, I do not listen to that band. It's not my type of music, but shit, if I wouldn't watch them in concert. Yeah, gay people. Gay people. To the fucking max, bro. That song, yeah. Okay, um, what I wanted... Oh, I wanted... It's time for my cancelable moment, except no one will know what I'm talking about. Yeah, true! Not Kurt Cobain cancelable moment. Not Kurt Cobain. I'm not gonna talk about Kurt Cobain. Um, I really want to talk about... The, the writer known both as William Sharp and Fiona McLeod. Okay, true. Pen name? Um, yeah, pen name Fiona McLeod. Nice. Um, which is a re- really interesting case as well. Okay, I'm going to introduce who he. <laughs> That's what the scholarship you have to say uses. He question mark every he. time you yeah, yeah every time you use that pronoun. Um. So William Sharp was an extremely influential writer in the Gallic Revival of the late 19th century, um, which is wild because he was making some shit up. Um, but he was also very influential as like a writer, sort of reviving interest in Gallic culture, especially uh, Scottish. Wait, what is Gallic culture? Scottish culture. Oh, okay. Scots Gaelic. Um, oh, Gaelic. Not gotcha. Irish Gaelic. I was not thinking about the way that it was spelled. Um, it doesn't help that it sounds almost exactly like Gaelic, which is French. Gaelic, G-A-L-L-I-C. Oh, I fully thought you were pronouncing it Gaelic. Yeah, I am bad at Because every time I words. read that word, I think Gaelic. Yeah. And I don't know if that's right. I think it's pronounced Gaelic, but okay. I've also heard it both ways, so fuck well, if I know. Shit. Um, fuck phonetics. Fuck phonetics. So William Sharp was a really well-known and very popular writer under the pen name Fiona McLeod. Um, but I say pen name, and it was also sort of like alter ego almost. Nice. It's this is the one that's cancelable because it's an extremely complex and debated topic. Oh. And I'm just going to be like No one transgender? else knows, so you get to be yeah. the monolith on this podcast right and now. In like 1893-ish. Fiona McLeod basically, like, became the public-facing side of William Sharp. Like, all of Sharp's books were published as Fiona McLeod. Mm-hmm. So all of McLeod's books were published as Fiona McLeod. Um, there was also a lot of correspondence that was, like, written ostensibly by Fiona McLeod. Um, and also Sharp would get, like, his sister to write it so that it would be in, like, a feminine hand. Right. Like, that kind of thing. Like, very determinedly feminine, publicly facing mm-hmm. alter ego. And then there's also this, like, complicated, um... And, like, it does kind of tie into Scottish... Uh, na- like, almost national mythos. Because in a lot of Scottish literature, there's, like, this kind of duality in one person type thing. Oh. Like, think Jekyll and Hyde is very typical of this. Oh, okay. And so, the kind of experiencing oneself as two parts, one of, like, which are diametrically opposed, is very, like, typifies the kind of attempt to return to a Gaelic spiritualism that McLeod was striving for in, like, really a lot of literature. I think the, her most famous thing is um, like an opera, which is about a Gaelic myth 
Um, or there's like this asshole fairy king who like curses these lovers or something like that. I'm not an opera enjoyer, unfortunately. I think people. Because why the fuck are they talking like that? Why are they talking like that? <laughs> um. And so it's the kind of case where like. Sharp would regularly write as though McLeod were a part of himself. Mm. <laughs> um, that well, if you consider he, it as the duality within one person, then you could say that she was part. She was in him, like yeah. part of himself. Yeah. Anyway. So and so, there's like a very complicated sort of like duality of identity where both parts seem to be felt, but it's also like this was definitely a situation where. Conducting, like, like, McLeod was basically conducting a social life, just entirely over correspondence. Mm -hmm. So, in some ways, to me, it feels like, you know, like, when you think you might be trans, and so you're like, I'm just gonna try out different pronouns on the internet. Yeah! <laughs> I was just thinking that! You go to Starbucks, and you, add, you give them yeah. a different name. Yeah. And so it's like, there's definitely a lot of ambiguity, but also I'm like, and if, and if, Fiona McLeod was alive today, would we be talking, would we be being like, wow, there's so much ambiguity here? Or would we be being like, stop misgendering her? Um, yeah, facts. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of really good short stories, though, I recommend. Oh, true. I mean, very, like, 1890s, depressing, oh, gal shit. Gaelic shit. Okay. But, you know. Well, I think I know. they're worth checking out, especially because everything's yeah. in the public domain. Hey, I love the public domain. Yeah. I also love hearing about different ways that you can fuck around with binary genders. Yeah. That's cool. Like, the whole idea of a gender being also, well, gender is a social role here, too. But, like, gender being, a, like, a job, um, or... Yeah, no, actually yeah. that is, like, a really interesting way to put it, especially in relation to Fiona McLeod, because she was very much this, like face of a large body of writing doing the work of like publicizing and discussing and forming connections in regards to like this sort of writing and she was doing that femininely albeit possible it's very difficult to talk about <laughs> yeah, um yeah. i should have written this out more clearly in my notes but i definitely do think there's an aspect of like not even commercialism, but, like, an attempt to reconcile, um, like, interiority with the external necessity of, like, being a popular writer rather than just a writer. True. Oh, and also, uh, the classic transgender move of only telling people that your pen name is actually you, uh, after you die. Um, yeah, based. It's, yeah. Who else has done that? Oh. Me with my secret Tumblr account that will only be revealed after I die. <laughs> I mean, I have James Barry here, but that's, like, not even that much. Because James Barry was actively like, do not fucking look at my body ever when you're burying me. And then they did anyway, and we're like, oh, he's a woman. <laughs> okay, asshole. <laughs> yeah, fucking dicks. You're the problem, actually. Oh my actually. god, this is just like, I want to make an, I want to write an article about this, but I don't know enough about anthropology. I keep wanting to write articles about things that I don't know enough about. Um... Which is, like, the whole, like, oh, but when they find your bones in a thousand years, like, 
First of all, you're a dumbass. Second of all, they're dead already. The fuck? Like, who cares? Third of all, I think that, like, that's not even true. Yeah, third yeah. of all, it's actually difficult to impossible to correctly identify the gender of Exactly. Because believe it or not, Humans sex and gender, neither of them are binary. Well, no actually, way. believe it's it or like not. like there's, like, variations that don't just have to do with sex. Whoa. Yeah. Believe, believe it, it or, or not, not, women can be tall. No fucking way. And men way. can be short. Believe it or not, people have... <laughs> and have wide hips. Yeah, people have bones, and sometimes those bones are different. God. God, actually, I was... This is Wikipedia sourced for Chevalier Dayon, so, like, grain of salt. But apparently, when her body was being examined after death, the doctor was like, hmm, maybe intersex, because, um... Apparently, she had, like, largest breast tissue, and it's, like, 10% of the assigned male population is gynecomastia. Hey. That's like, bruh. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Sure. Sure. If that's really what you Go would like off. to think. Yeah. <laughs> Go off. This is why I'm so comfortable being like, yeah, transgender woman, though. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of based. And also, like, context. And, like, looking at... I don't know, like, imposing... Well, that's a version of doing it... Imposing a not-queer lens on a potentially queer person and putting them into a box. Yeah. But then, you know, that also goes back to putting our modern understanding and framework of queerness onto someone. Yeah. A different time and place. Especially because everyone I've talked about here is, like, old as fuck. Old as fuck. Yeah. I feel like maybe I should talk more about people from the 20th century, but, um... Well, but it's, like, historical. Right? It's queer yeah. gender. It's trans and gender queer to, like, history. It's historical. It's historical. That's, like, that's, like, the history is the old stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I was... Yes. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to formulate thoughts. Okay, true. I'm looking at I... pictures of Kurt Cobain. I want to see if that Tumblr user was right. Are you just going to determine this by staring at pictures of Kurt Cobain? Yep. I mean... What were the thoughts you were formulating? Oh, well, now I've forgotten about them, but I... Oh. It's just something about, like, even in cultures where there isn't, like, a gender role for... or an accepted way to, like, socially transition... Um, people still do it, which is pretty fucking sick. That is pretty fucking And also, sick. we don't know, like, 99% of everyone. You know? More than 99% of everyone. Wait, what do you mean? I mean, like... Oh, like, there could have been plenty of people yeah. doing that. Yeah. Like... And it just wasn't documented. Basically, the only places that most people in, like, London show up is, like, baptismal registry... If they got, if they have a will. And that's it. Like. So if you're not rich and. Well, basically everyone had. Basically everyone got baptized. Oh, okay. Especially. When the hell did London expel the Jews? Oh, lord. Yeah. Uh, the Jewish people were expelled from. No, I think it was more generally Britain. Mm -hmm. But, um, other places in Britain are less reliable for records preservation purposes specifically about Jew wait what's what's about what about Jewish people oh 
The Jewish people uh, traditionally do not baptize their children. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so, yeah, cool. Maybe there was maybe there was a bunch of Jewish transgender people. Actually, I definitely read a good article on one Jewish trans man, um, but I don't, couldn't find it again. It was from Shit. like the eighteen seventies. I want to say though, like it was a good long time ago. Like a news, it was like a newspaper article that had been translated from the time. Oh. It was, so, and it was a, it was about him being trans. Yeah, I was like, oh, facts. Our new son just dropped. New son <laughs> just dropped. Uh, used to not be, I guess. Yeah. True. Sure. There we go. That's historical. Eighteen seventy. That was that was a long time ago. But yeah, I mean, in some ways, it makes me sad that there are so many trans people we don't know about. But in other ways, it makes me happy because I don't have to do as much research. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, and sorry for like, your, like, suffering and dysphoria, but, like, also <laughs> I didn't want to look you up, so. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like knowing their names would have alleviated the suffering and dysphoria. Well, sure, yes, that's And it's true. not like I give a fuck about being forgotten by history. I yeah. won't be there for it. I won't be there. <laughs> and so I think it's just important to, you know, live the best life you can and remember that we don't know fucking anything, ever. Literally still don't know anything. Yeah. Someone's gonna misinterpret your bones. Someone. Nothing you can do about it. Tagline for the episode, someone will misinterpret your bones. Yep. I hope they think that I had a dick. That'd be fun. That would be pretty fun. Would be fun. Oh, wait, one more thing. Okay. Um, I feel like there's a common perception that historians, like, erase queerness a lot. Um, and that is basically no longer true. Hey. Uh, and stop being dicks to people who study history, because that's how you get fewer people studying history. Ah, true. Uh, and that's how you actually do erase stuff. So that's please acknowledge that maybe in 2024, a, a humanities discipline is packed with liberals. Liberals! <laughs> the libs! They're taking over! No! And thank God for it. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, definitely. I've been JQ. I've been Emma. <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, the website formerly known as Twitter. You can read our articles at outrightnewsmag.org. That's right, spelled W-R-I-T-E. I've been JQ. That's been Emma. See you, you later. You said that. Uh-huh. Fuck you. Die. <laughs> Die. <laughs>